0: i mm-hmm. Sting on an open fire. The frost nipping. Thank you.
1: Each year, families gather together in homes around the world to celebrate Christmas. But what are they celebrating? Some use Christmas as an opportunity to gather family and friends together to reminisce about another year gone by, while others try to recreate in the present the wonderful nostalgic memories of Christmas' past. But the reason we gather is to celebrate and worship Jesus Christ. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Tan senior pastor of Grace Christian Church here in the Philippines. And I want to welcome each and every one of you here in the Philippines and around the world to our Christmas candlelight service. Whether you have chestnuts roasting on an open fire or listening to Yuletide carols being sung by a choir or families excitedly saying, I'll be home for Christmas. Remember, it really is the most wonderful time of the year because the Savior of the world has come more than 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ came into the world to save mankind and brought salvation, hope, joy, and peace. My friends, Christmas time is here.
2: Isaiah wrote these words concerning the Savior. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy was fulfilled two thousand Decembers ago when God came as a babe of Bethlehem.
3: Did it feel like a night any different Than at least a million before? Was there any raw expectation Like there was some kind of something in store? Did the sky have to hold back the thunder? Did the moon find new reasons to glow? Could the children somehow sense the wonder Two thousand Decembers ago? Were the sheep as amazed as the shepherds At the new sign that lit up the sky? Did the willow trees whisper excitement To the rivers and streams passing by? Did the joy ricochet off the mountains Till it filled up the valleys below Old oh, did all the world sense love abounding Two thousand Decembers ago Was anyone
4: able to look at the stable And not see a child but a kid? As heaven and nature sing Heaven and nature sing
3: Did the walls of the barn start to tremble With a glory they could not contain did anyone wake with the feeling of peace that they could not explain? Oh, the love must have felt overwhelming, as it warmed everyone in its flow. For all of the earth is still telling of two thousand December's ago.
4: to look at the stable and not see a child but a king I wish I could hear, back over the years, as heaven and nature sing Was anyone able to look at the stable and not see a child but a king I wish I could hear, back over the years, as heaven See. oh, and nature see.
3: Oh, the love must have been overwhelming two thousand December's ago.
2: The announcement of the great news that the Savior has come to earth is a proclamation that should be heard by all people of every generation. From the first Christmas when the angels proclaim to the shepherds, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. To church bells ringing through the centuries reminding everyone that the Savior has come.
4: Christmas is here, bring the cheer to young and old, me In the oh, whole. Oh, one seems to hear words of the cheer from everywhere, filling the air. Oh, how they come, raising their song, mourning and they'll tell me they're me.
5: To certain poor shepherds In fields where they lay In fields where they lay Keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night Shining, yeah.
2: When we know the Savior has come, our response should be to accept and adore. Remember the wise men from the East who proclaimed, We have seen His star in the East and have come to worship Him. We don't have to bring anything. We can simply present our lives to the Savior in acceptance and adoration. Let us do as the psalmist wrote, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker.
1: When I was young I especially look forward to Christmas, because it was one of the two occasions in the year that I knew I would be receiving a gift, the other one being my birthday. But the agony of the way to open my presents for my parents was often too much. I knew where my mom hid the gifts at the top of their closet shelf, and when they went out, I would take a chair, climb on top of it, and be able to reach the present on the top shelf. I would carefully tear the tape. Or cut it with a blade, and open the wrapper just until I could see what they got me. When I knew what the present was, that I would rewrap the gift wrapper and reseal the tape exactly where the original tape had been. They never caught me through the years, because honestly, how many parents really have time to recheck the gifts to see if the tape or the gift had been tampered with? People often say that once you know what the gift is, then the excitement is gone. But not for me. In fact, knowing what the gift was made me more excited. It was usually a G.I. Joe or Transformer toy set. And I was more excited because I couldn't wait to play with it on Christmas Day. So on Christmas morning, after a family gathering and devotion, it was gift opening time. And I would open my presents. And in an Oscar-worthy performance, I would act surprised, pretending I didn't know what it was until just then. Wow, Mom and Dad! thanks so much for the gift. It's such a surprise. I didn't know you would give me this. Well, in the same way, Christmas itself is like that for many of us. We know the story very well with details of the Christmas stories practically memorized. We have sung about it and what happens in Christmas in countless carols. And for more than a month, we would sing those songs. But here in the Philippines, we've sung those songs since September. But even though we know the story, Christmas still elicits in our heart a genuine warm feeling of nostalgia, good vibes, and heartwarming memories. There's something special about Christmas. But what truly makes Christmas so wonderful, it should be because we celebrate a Savior coming to earth. The wonder of Christmas is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Savior of mankind, came to earth. And that's why the Christmas story never gets old and dated. Because every person of every generation needs to hear about it, And accept it as truth, because we all have the same greatest need, the need for a Savior. Because we were all destined for hell because of sin. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds that first Christmas, as recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel said, there's a great message I'm going to bring to you. It will cause you to jump up with joy, not because you're getting a present, or that you get to see family and friends, or that you get a holiday from work, or that you'll see a lot of lights, festivities, and decorations. It's because a savior is born. As someone once remarked, if mankind's greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If mankind's greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been good health, God would have sent us a medical doctor. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Every one of us was born into this world as a sinner. And there's absolutely nothing we can do in our own power to save ourselves. Good works, philanthropic efforts, kindness, and good morals could not save us. But unfortunately, there's no amount of good works that can overcome our sin problem. And the penalty for our sin is death and eternal separation from God. But God, who so loved the world, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, God Himself, into the world and took on a human body and was born as a babe of Bethlehem, not to live but to die, to die for the sins of mankind." This is why Jesus is the only Savior of the world, because God himself died in our place to fully satisfy the sin problem for all the people of the world, past, present, and future. And he made salvation free and available for all by us simply having to place our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So the joy and wonder of Christmas is knowing that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has come. Where there was otherwise unending hopelessness, there's now great hope. Where there was otherwise real anxiety, now true peace is available. Where there was otherwise daily sadness, eternal joy can be ours. You know, my friends, we should be in awe and in wonderment as to why God would save people like us, people who are not worthy to be saved because of our own undeservedness and sin. But God did it because of His love and His grace. You know, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 reminds us this, that God demonstrates His own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. My friends, we should be in wonderment of God's great love and amazing grace because we wouldn't do it if it was us. I mean, would you willingly give up your house to a complete stranger living on the street and say, here, take my house and everything in it? You need it more. Or would you give up your car to a complete stranger you saw walking on the side of the road or taking public transportation because you felt compassion for him? Maybe at the most, you will give him some money for a month's rent or a night at the hotel or some money to take a taxi back home. How about this scenario? Would you lay down your life or that of your child to die for a complete stranger, perhaps for someone who hated you? Would you do it? I certainly could not and would not. But that's exactly what God did. He gave up his own son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior of the world and to die in our place. And this loving, sacrificial action should leave us speechless. We should be shocked and in awe whenever we think about it. And it certainly is an act that should be celebrated, not just on Christmas, but every single day of our lives. You know, although I grew up in the U.S. most of my life, our family came back to the Philippines for about 10 months during my senior year of high school. Because I could not speak Chinese or Tagalog, I was sent to Faith Academy in Antipolo, which is an expat missionary school. Our senior class trip was to Playa del Norte in northern Luzon. And before the trip, we were reminded by our class advisors and teacher chaperones don't do anything foolish before we graduated. Well, I didn't know how to swim, so for most of the days, I just hung out on the beach. But my American and Australian classmates, who were really strong swimmers, were having a blast swimming out far into the ocean, going to a sandbar or snorkeling the crystal clear seas. They kept inviting me to go with them, but I told them I could not swim. Well, on the last full day, they told me I could just wade into the ocean until the water was chest high, wear some goggles, breathe through a snorkel, and see some amazingly beautiful fish. I thought to myself, I can't swim, and I've never snorkeled before, but the water isn't too deep, and all I have to do is put my face in the water. So I foolishly said, let's do it. I looked, and they all had flippers, and I said to them, "Where are my flippers? They said, Steve, you don't need one because you aren't going that deep. And then I asked, should I have a life jacket? And they said, you don't need one. You aren't going in that deep. So I walked into the ocean and put on my goggles and snorkel and proceeded out into the ocean. I went up to where only the water was chest high, and I put my head in the water, and wow, there were so many beautiful tropical fish. Of course, my body naturally started to float, and I really enjoyed seeing all the aquatic sea life. But there were three problems. First, unlike a swimming pool, the ocean floor is not always the same depth. Second, the waves will take you out further to sea than you intended when your body is floating. And third, my friends didn't tell me that if the water enters your snorkel, you're supposed to blow out the water. Well, after swimming for some time, some waves had come over my snorkel and brought water into the snorkel. And I didn't know what to do with the water, so I just started to drink it. But it's salt water, so I started to choke after a few gulps. I also thought I was below the waterline, so I started to panic. I tried to stand up, which is a natural instinct for one who thinks they're drowning. But because I didn't have any flippers, my foot started to be cut on the sharp coral. And of course, I was well past the depth of my height. As I panicked and started to drown, I tried to call for help, but instead was gulping down water. At this point, things started to go in slow motion. And what entered into my mind was, what a stupid way to die. One week from your high school graduation because you listened to a bunch of your friends. What did I need at that moment? Someone to teach me swimming lessons? No. Someone to scold me for being so foolish? No. Someone to say, I told you so? No. Someone to tell me serves you right for trying to snorkel without knowing how to swim? No. No. At that moment, I needed a savior. Before I blacked out, I felt someone swim by and grab me, push me up out of the water, and carried me to shore and pumped water out of my chest until I coughed up enough water to be able to suck in air. My rescuer, my water savior, was a young man named Keith Hoykman from Oklahoma who had seen me from afar in distress and quickly swam over to save me. At that moment, when I was drowning... The only person I needed was a savior, no one else, and it happened to be Keith. Of course, I can swim now, but to this day, whenever I swim in a pool or snorkel in the ocean, I always remember my water savior, Keith, and what he did for me that day more than 25 years ago. But what about us thinking about the savior who saves us from hell and eternal condemnation to give us salvation and eternal life? Do we think about him every day? Do we thank Him every day? People have told me, I wish it was Christmas every day. And it can be. When you remember with wonderment and thank Jesus with appreciation for what He did when He came to earth to save us as our Savior. Because the wonder of Christmas is Christ. But more than just remember, perhaps we can also make room in our hearts for Jesus to worship and to serve Him. Because in the busyness of our lives, we simply don't have time and room for Christ. For some, the decision to accept Jesus is something they don't have time for as they're busy finishing studies, establishing a career, or starting a family. So they push off making the most important of decisions until it's too late and they suffer a massive heart attack or an aneurysm and they drop dead. Or for Christians… The time to worship him, to know him more, to serve him simply doesn't fit into their busy schedules and hectic lives. There's always something more important to do, to watch, to read, to experience, than to make time in your schedule for the Savior. Imagine if Keith came to visit me here in the Philippines and asked if I had time to meet up with him near the airport. But I told him, I'm sorry, Keith, I have to watch a movie. Or, Keith, I'm sorry, the traffic is really bad here in Manila to meet with you in the airport or near the airport, next time perhaps when you stay closer to me. Or Keith, I'm sorry, I'm finishing up an exciting book right now. How do you think he would feel? How do you think he would make me look, of course, ungrateful? If he's coming to town, my water savior, then I'm sure I would drop everything to make time for him because he saved my life. You know, ironically, we hear verses like Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You know the verse well. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But for many, it's just a verse you can memorize, but you don't live out in action. But you know in the Christmas story, everyone took time to worship the newborn king, from the shepherds to the wise men. Remember that the angels didn't tell the shepherds to go find Jesus after they announced to them what had happened it was their own choice. Luke chapter 2 verses 15 to 16 tells us, the shepherd said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Note what they said, let's go now. And they went with haste. It was for them a priority for them to go and see the Christ child once the birth of the Savior was made known to them. Even the wise men from the East, when they saw the Christmas star, took more than a year to travel to worship the Savior, and they even prepared gifts. They were intentional about making room for Jesus in their otherwise busy schedule. I once mentioned this principle to some high schoolers, and one of them said, Pastor, It's because the people in biblical times didn't have anything else to do. No computers, no gadgets, no internet, nothing to really distract them or to take up their time. Maybe they were just really bored and had nothing better to do. What an interesting perspective. But in reality, they are just as busy or they were just as busy or even busier than us. They didn't have modern conveniences like indoor plumbing or electricity and cars back then. It probably took them twice or three times as long to do something. But throughout the Scriptures, it was told that people took time to come and worship Jesus. My friends, the issue is not the lack of time. The issue is how we prioritize things. You may have heard this story from before, but it illustrates the point. In Stephen Covey's book, First Things First, he tells the story of an expert one day speaking to a group of business students And use an illustration I'm sure those students will never forget. As this man stood in front of the group of high-powered overachievers, he said, Okay, time for a quiz. Then he pulled out a a one-gallon wide mouth mason jar and set it on the table in front of him. Then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. When the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks would fit inside, he asked the students, is this jar full? Everyone in the class said, yes. Then he said, really? He reached under the table and pulled out a bucket of gravel. Then he dumped some of that gravel uh, into uh, this jar and shook the jar, causing the pieces of gravel to work itself down the spaces between the big rocks. Then he smiled and asked the group once more, Is the jar full? By this time, the class was onto him. Probably not, one of them answered. Good, he replied. And he reached under the table and brought out a bucket of sand, and he started dumping the sand in, and it went into all of the spaces between the rocks and the gravel. Once more, he asked the question, is this jar full? No, the class shouted. Once again, he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water and began to pour it into the jar until it was filled to the brim. Then he looked up at the class and asked, what's the point of this illustration? One eager student raised his hand and said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, if you try really hard, you can always fit some more things into it. And of course, the speaker said, no, that's not the point. The truth this illustration teaches us is this. If you don't put in the big rocks first, you'll never get them in at all. My friends, what are the big rocks in your life? A project that you want to accomplish? time with your loved ones, your faith, your education, your finances, a cause, teaching or mentoring others. And what I'm suggesting is that the most important big rock that needs to go first into your life jar is Jesus Christ. Doesn't he deserve that priority as our Savior? Are you willing to drop everything if your Savior wants to meet with you? Remember to put the big rocks of your life in first or you'll never get them in at all. And make sure that Jesus is that first rock you place in or you'll never find time for Him because Christmas without Christ is pointless and meaningless. And in your life without Christ, it's also pointless and meaningless. Our Savior has come in the person of Jesus Christ and we need to make room for Him in our hearts because He invites us to be in intimate relationship with Him. That, my friends, is what makes Christmas so wonderful wonderful. The wonder of Christmas is simply Jesus Christ.
2: His glory rests this silent night. Family and friends, do you have room for the Savior?
6: start Do you have room?
1: Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, in this Christmas season, may we be reminded with wonderment and thanksgiving of what our Savior Jesus Christ did for us when He died in our place to give us salvation and eternal life. And my doing so brought love, hope, joy, peace, and purpose in our lives. May those who do not know you personally come to accept your most wonderful free gift this Christmas, the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. If we have taken you, Lord, our Savior, for granted, and what you did for us as being conventional, may you help us rediscover just how truly amazing and special what you did for us was, and leave us in awe and wonderment. And as you invite us to be in intimate fellowship with you, please help us prioritize you, Lord, above all things, and be willing to drop everything to make sure we have room in our hearts for you, so that as we know you more, we will be in wonderment of who you are and know more about the unconditional love and amazing grace you continue to pour out in our lives daily. Lord, help us to remember that the wonder of Christmas is Jesus Christ, and share this truth to all of our friends and family. It is in Jesus' mighty name we pray this. Amen. And now let us go forth proclaiming that we have seen the glory of God, believing that there is a light that shines in the darkness, which the darkness shall not overcome. And may the love of the Creator God, the joy of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of the Christ child be with you and your family this Christmas and forevermore. Amen. Well, my friends, on behalf of my family and our church family, to all of you, a very Merry Christmas. Remember why we call it Christmas? Because of Jesus.